this week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, everybody. And welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where today we are talking head racing. We know that folks in the UK are preparing for the men's eights head, the women's eights head, the veterans head. And so this is going to be a big focus. We've got five really big head racing tips for you. How's your week been, Marlene? Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, I have ice on my lake, but I, I think it would be a lot more fun to be getting ready for the for the head races <laughs> so. when we were prepping for today marlene told me the last time she was in an eight was in florianopolis in brazil so there's a whole story which i'm not going to ask her right now but i think i've been an eight more recently than you <laughs> i know it's been a while <laughs> but eights are wonderful but they do take one heck of a lot of organization and an enormous amount of preparation to make them go well, to go fast. And we're not going to talk about that today. No, no, but that's, that's your true. You're right. That's a whole other topic because to row in a good eight is just heaven, absolutely heavenly. To row in a not so good eight is not heavenly. <laughs> no, it is hell on your back, amongst other things, speaking mainly for myself. Now, we've got five tips for you today. And before we dive into the first one, I want to say one really important thing. The rule is practice these things in advance. Don't try and do them on race day if you haven't practiced them, because in all likelihood, they won't go well. Good example, we were out in our eight and we had someone in the boat who was recently come back into rowing and we did a drill that we've been working on a lot, which Marlene and I are very fond of, called single strokes through to weight on the feet. And I turned around after we'd done the first set and I said, did you know what that was? And she goes, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shurston, that was you. You know that. Uh, I'm joking. But it, it is really important that for anything that you practice to do as a crew, you all agree the language and what the words mean. And I've said this many times, but you could call a code word like driftwood and everyone knows that that means get your catches in early and push your legs hard for 10 strokes. As long as everyone knows it and everyone does it, that's a great way to go. But do spend time on the land clarifying your understanding your precise understanding you could say number 64 <laughs> i know what that means <laughs> isn't that how they pitch in baseball uh-huh i i have never understood baseball pitching calls or symbols right the first tip starts starting the race so for each one marlene and i are going to give you our top tip so you go first okay my top tip would be make sure that your boat is at racing speed when you actually cross the starting line and how are you going to do that well i think you're going to 
have, you know, as, as the starter calls you and you've, you've got enough, you know, obviously there's another boat in front of you most likely, but as the starter calls you, you know, and you start paddling, you may want to do a moving start, half, half, three quarter, full, full, get the, get the boat speed up a little bit and then, and then start to build for that, you know, during that first minute. So you're actually going to cross the line um, and be up at speed. Yeah. So the important thing here is that if you're paddling at rate 18 or 20 and your race pace is 30, for the sake of argument, going up 10 points in rate cannot be done in three strokes without risking losing your rhythm. Yeah, you can do it, but you need to be skillful and strong. Therefore, if you can't do it in three strokes, can you do it in five? Can you do it in seven? Is it better if you do it in nine? I find out how long it takes you to get there. So that when that bow ball goes across the line, you're at your race pace. And my tip for starting is start close to the boat in front of you. That might sound a little counterintuitive, but I'm going to explain. A length and a half boat length is enough. It means you instantly have something to chase because of course being in a void is the worst thing in a head race you may risk a little bit of boat wake from their puddles but that's slightly dependent on how your boat's lined up compared with ours if you're if you're line astern precisely yes their puddles are almost likely going to be coming down where your blades are going to go into the water but it gives you something to chase and they might get rattled quite quickly. If you're not immediately line astern, your coxswain can position you maybe like one quarter of the width of the boat offset so that your hull goes through clean water, their puddles come under your riggers, but you're not going to be disturbed. That may not be possible, but that's a sort of finesse that I recommend First, to give you something to chase, and secondly, to provide the minimum disruption for your own race start. Moving on, overtaking. That's the fun part of the race. Um, my tip, my tip would be for the the rowers on the side of the boat that's closest to the boat that you're overtaking. Really pay attention to your blades and. If you're going to overlap blades, make sure, you know, make sure that you're trying to avoid clashing blades so that you want, you want to adjust your timing so that you can get in the water in between their blades. If you're overtaking them and you're going to, um, you're going to be overlapping. Yeah. It helps if you watch your oar. So if you're on the side of the boat where your blades are likely to be overlapping with the others, it's okay to look out and look at your, and you want to put your oar in behind theirs so that you have a clean push and you can push their oar out of the way if you can. If you're on the other side of the boat, don't look. Your job is to hold the boat set completely level. And you do that with a little bit of lateral pressure um, and really controlling your handle because foreheads just turned and looking sideways likely they will lean a tiny little bit your head weighs 15 pounds and even that tiny change can affect the balance of the boat oh my 
notes have just gone crazy that's very interesting <laughs> right my tip for overtaking is to be very courageous and to swing out correcting your um steering really late so come up right behind them and if you are you can obviously call out but try very hard to get really close to them and then hopefully they will steer away so that you get a clear straight line and you don't have to deviate from it so if you can get right up close behind them even risking an overlap and then get them to do the steering now the opposite fending <laughs> off another crew yeah your advantage is you, is you can see them coming and uh, my tip would be to really you know have the coxswain make a call to really focus on on send, sending the boat and trying to get you know a couple inches more run um, each stroke and just just really focus on moving moving the boat better and and keeping the leg drive very strong and hold them off so long strokes good power one inch a stroke is that what you said yes i would focus on one inch per stroke if you can get more go for it but and my tip is the inverse of the overtaking one steer late hang on to your course for as long as you can stay cool let their coxswain do all the yelling and the screaming <laughs> All the stressing, which will likely affect their crew, and try holding your line. Because if they steer, they will slow down for sure. And they, I have had situations where we've held our line, they were going yield, yield, and they then steered before we did. They slowed right down, dropped back like two lengths. And we kept going, we kept going, and they came up a second time on us. And this time their positioning was poor. It was at the Cambridge bend on the head of the Charles, which of course is quite a tight bend that you have to race. We were racing with our blades over the buoy line and they were way out to our left. Mm. So yeah, they were going past us, but they were nowhere close to us. Yeah, they, they added a lot of time onto their time. A lot of distance onto their, their their course exactly so again steer late is again my advice um of course you know do steer if you have to steer steer gradually um so that it's clear to a marshal or a race official that you have taken avoiding action um but that's 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 what i like now our sponsor this week is the Masters magazine. This is the only magazine for Masters. And in it, it's a monthly online four separate articles covering peak performance tips, rowing technique, aging well lifestyle advice, and a bonus. It costs $15. You can sign up for it on the Our Courses page on the website, fastermastersrowing.com forward slash our hyphen courses. And if you're curious, 
Uh, do take a look. We can give you a discount trial membership to try a month at our expense, not yours, uh, before you sign up for a full subscription. So that's the Faster Masters magazine is our sponsor this month. In any long distance race, in any race, but particularly long distance ones, maintaining your form is really critical. So our fourth tips are around how to keep your technique and maintain your form. So as, as you get tired, I think as a crew, you have to understand what what element do you tend to lose early when when the crew gets fatigued and have have a one word mantra that is your key to row well have you got an example of that uh it could be swing could be uh -huh. legs that's cool I like those. I definitely, a coxswain can spot when people are beginning to lose their technique. It's quite simple why it happens. Um, your brain basically gets less blood flow. The blood is going into your lungs and your heart and your muscles, and brains don't work so well. <laughs> that's, good that's true. And and the deeper the deeper you are into the race, when this starts to happen, the simpler you have to be in terms of your commands because brains don't work very exactly. well as you get farther and farther into the race. And for myself, I prefer to focus those sorts of calls on maintaining length in the water. Um, and again, the coxswain is best place to see this. You might see oars waving a little bit in the sky before they you know, take the placement at the catch. Sometimes stern pair can feel it. And so it's well worthwhile having some specific technique calls that are focused on maintaining length in the water. And remember, coxes, there are two types of call. One is when you tell the crew to do something. And the other type is when you tell them how to do it. As they get more tired, you may need more of the how to do it. Lift your hands to the catch, you know, instead of saying early catches. Yeah, this would, I think, uh, as, an, as an example of this, I'll, you know, push the puddles. Push the puddles. That's a good one for them to, to be short um, yeah. or just puddles, but also maintain length or keep, keep the power on. Yeah, you will choose something that really resonates for your crew and you'll probably work out what it is in your practice outings because you'll debrief afterwards and you'll say, it was really good when you said this or when we did that, you know, we had a really good effect and or when we were going past this particular landmark and then you can discuss and, like I said, agree your understanding so that that becomes something that you build into the maintaining form call. And our last one is sprinting for the line. Well, my tip would be have, it, have an agreed landmark that the crew knows this is when they're going to start their final sprint. And my one is a variant on that, which is 
start your final sprint a little earlier than you think. We often underestimate our energy resources and we can, you know, push ourselves for slightly longer than we think. And so go early, but go up more gradually. And what I mean by that is you might say, you know, our finishing sprint is going to take us from rate 30 to rate 33, maybe. If that's what you know you can do, start at 30 and have a really strong power first, then just go to 31. And you can do that for 10 strokes. Then do power at 31, see if you can get a better ratio. Then go to 32. Then do power at 32. And then do 33. And then you can do power at 33. So that's giving you 60 strokes, which is a goodly long way. A boat approximately moves an entire boat length. An eight moves an entire boat length for one stroke. How long's an eight, Marlene? Quick pop, pop 60 quiz. 60 feet. <laughs> yeah. So it's jolly long, you mm -hmm. know. Even if you're not chaining, which is when stroke gets their catch into two's puddle, that's called chaining. Even if you're shorter than that, it's still going to go close to 60 feet every stroke. And so my advice is go earlier than you think, but take it up more gradually. Don't try and jump up three points in rate you know, and go, right, sprint for the line, go. And because you will you may risk losing your rhythm um, and you may not go much faster if you lose your rhythm. Now, anyone who wants more from their head racing, we have an ebook which we wrote with a whole ton of head racing advice, including information about race plans. You can get it at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash head hyphen racing so head over there and take a look if that's what you like but marlene repeat the golden rule practice 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 whatever you do don't do it for the first time in the race <laughs> i know <laughs> you're part of the rowing chat podcast network please tell your rowing friends about the show and if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast.